0: Hi everybody. It's Tracy Donegan here from Gentle birth. Welcome to the Gentle Birth podcast. And today we have a very special guest and I uh, Caroline and I have been communicating for a couple of months now on the topic of maternal assisted cesarean. So Caroline is going to tell us about her first experience giving birth in Ireland and her most recent experience and why she feels that maternal caesarean is so important and why maternity services need to be listening to women a little bit more so Caroline you're very welcome delighted to I have you here today to. I you know we've been chatting back and forth over the past couple of months and and also connecting in with that uh, Dr Natalie Elphinstone I think she pronounces it as well about the incredible work she's doing in Australia so Mm -hmm. Would you like to, I guess, start us off with um, a little bit about your first experience and kind of what led you here today, really?
1: Um, So I had my first boy back in May of, late May of 2020 in the pandemic. And I had a relatively straightforward pregnancy, but I knew that I would never be able to have a vaginal birth. I had fibroids and due to that, and that history, I knew it would always have to be a caesarean section. And while I was kind of, I suppose, looking into the caesareans and different types, um, a friend of mine, uh, dear friend Reva, she sent me a book from the UK that uh, discussed options of how you can do caesareans differently. And it was then I went to my obstetrician who was Dr. Mary McCaffrey in Trillian County Kerry. And I asked her if I could have a drape for um, my cesarean. And uh, it hadn't actually been done before in Kerry. So she very kindly uh, facilitated me. It wasn't easy. And um, she had to uh, pull some strings and get a a drape, etc. But it was a beautiful experience. Until a few minutes after my baby Noah was born, we realized or the midwife quickly realized that he wasn't breathing very well. Um, So it was then uh, they took him to the neonatal and I got skin to skin for maybe a couple of minutes and then he was gone. And it very quickly progressed that he needed more specialized care and Before we knew it, a helicopter was coming from Crumlin in Dublin uh, with the team and they were going to put him in an incubator and uh, transfer him to uh, Crumlin for more specialized care. And it was there that we were told he had persistent pulmonary hypertension of the newborn, uh, which is quite a serious breathing condition, which only occurs when they cut the cord. And there isn't necessarily any specific reason why it happened. Uh, but we were obviously in a pandemic. Um, I had had a cesarean. I couldn't go with them and my husband couldn't go in the helicopter. So it was yeah, a difficult time, uh, but uh, I was able to be with him a few days later and uh, he spent 12 days in the uh, ICU um, and we then were able to get discharged after
0: that I can't um I can't even begin I guess to imagine mm. the stress of I mean you've just gone through major surgery which has gone really well thankfully mm-hmm. and then to to realize Noah is not well and mm. it's in the middle of a pandemic and you have helicopters mm. and I can't yeah that's a lot. Yeah. So how, how did you, I mean, how did you kind of mentally, because I mean, you, I mean, you've, you're just post major abdominal surgery, and now you are getting in a car a couple of days later and driving to Dublin?
1: Yeah, my sister-in-law, Um, she drove me all the way to Crumlin from Kerry. Um, I guess what, you just have to put your head in the right place. For me anyway, that's what helped. I just refocused my energy. Um, I started hand expressing my colostrum. Um, and I was refrigerating that to bring to him. I just got really focused on that. Um, And then once I got to Crumlin, the uh, neonatal nurses there were incredible. They set me up with um, a hospital-grade pump, all the equipment, a pumping room, and I just really focused on pumping for him. Now, he couldn't take the milk initially because he was on ventilation. Um, And it wasn't until... He was able to come off that in some way. He was able to then get it through a, a feeding tube. Um, and then, once we moved to the general ward, uh, and around day 10, I was only able to try and feed him myself then. Um, so, we were really lucky. I got the support of the breastfeeding champions that are there. Um, and he latched, and we, wow. we fed then for 22 months. So,
0: Wow, well done. That must, I mean, it must have been incredibly emotional that moment when you got him back into your arms. Yeah,
1: yeah. like I, I guess when you have a baby who's in intensive care, you take for granted the things that you could normally do um, as a new mom, which is like change a nappy, hold them, mm. um, put them in even an outfit. I don't think he started wearing clothes for about, I think about maybe five days. You know he was under a lamp and yeah um you know he had a lot a lot of wires going into him and on him so um yeah you take for granted I guess when you've had a straightforward birth the simple things that you can do but equally we felt extremely lucky to be in a position where we had the care of Crumlin and uh, ultimately it saved his life yeah amazing God, I,
0: I, yeah, I can't even imagine that moment when you get your hands on him and he has no wires on him and you can nurse him. Yeah.
1: And... Oh, it was incredible, yeah. It really was just not to have to think about pulling at something because at one point he pulled out his NG, um, his feeding tube, and, you know, it can be quite stressful. Um, and yeah. also with the pandemic, it was one parent visiting at a time, so we weren't all together as a family until we actually left the hospital after roughly two weeks. Wow. It must yeah. have been
0: surreal to 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 get him home, and you know that first day walking through your own front door with him, and
1: yeah, we we it I I have spoken about this before for Cromlin, and it was actually when we drove through the barrier to leave that it kind of washed over me personally like this relief, and I suppose the sense of like what had actually happened and what we had gone through up to that point you're just in survival mode and you're doing everything that you can to get him home Um, and we were really lucky and we still feel very lucky that we were able to do that because we we know that not everybody is in that position in of course um
0: so fast forward a little bit to (laughs) your next pregnancy and how was that different to the for just your pregnancy alone, because are you it was, well, it was in the tail end of the ta- pandemic, wasn't it?
1: Uh, so I got pregnant in September of 2021, and I had Dylan in late May again, not blind <laughs> <laughs> uh, of 2022, and um, I suppose I was much sicker in this pregnancy, um, and. Um, yeah, it was, it, was a, it was a rough pregnancy, but, um, you know, otherwise I felt quite mentally prepared, uh, but I again had Dr. Mary McCaffrey uh, as my obstetrician, and it was actually on Instagram that I saw yourself, Tracy, and uh, Dr. Natalie Elphastone, uh doing a live chat about maternal assisted caesareans. And when I saw this, I sent a link to Dr. Mary McCaffrey. And she said, are you going to ask for this? Of course. <laughs> and, uh, she knows she you kno- well. <laughs> she knew it was going to be something that I'd be interested in. Um, and so I said, yeah, could, could, is this something that is possible? So it was then I quickly realized research and discussing with Mary that it had never been done in Ireland. And actually, in fact, it hasn't been done in very many countries. Now, in Australia, where uh, Dr. Natalie does it, she's doing it quite frequently and it's more common practice. Um, But, yeah, I was then to realize there are many, many hurdles to face in trying to uh, get a maternal assisted cesarean.
0: And was there do you feel Dr. McCaffrey was on board right away, or did she need to go away and do a little research for herself first to see what she was signing up you know, to?
1: She she's really amazing. She she really believes in women's choice and um facilitating women in how they would like to birth their babies. Again, I knew that I would have to have a Caesarean section and I think one of the biggest parts about having to have a cesarean section is the lack of control you feel, and this really spoke to me in terms of how you can be involved in your own birth through a cesarean. I guess that's why initially in the first birth, I asked for the window drape where I could see Noah being born from my stomach. But this was a step further. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, for people who don't know, you assist in lifting the baby from your abdomen. And bring them to your chest. Um, and I just I went to Natalie's page and I saw all the beautiful videos of women yeah. birthing their babies, and it really, really was something I wanted to do. I really did. I, I I guess for many reasons, but you know the first birth was was quite traumatic, and I didn't get that skin to skin time, or I didn't get that like you know first couple of days of being in the bed with the baby breastfeeding. Yeah. Um, it was it was all quite rushed and, and stressful. Um, And I really wanted this to be a restorative sort of healing experience. And also, the benefits of it for mom and baby are huge. I mean, it helps to regulate the baby's temperature, um, the stress of mom and baby. Um, It helps to uh, lower their uh, heart rate. Um, It helps with Uh, breastfeeding uh, initiation it's just there's just loads and loads of benefits to it um and yeah I just really wanted to to try and make it work
0: and when you when you spoke to or did you speak to family and friends about what you were intending and what were their
1: responses (laughs) do you know I didn't really I spoke to my husband obviously um and uh I kind of kept it quiet because I knew that this was something that was never achieved in Ireland, and um, I was trying to get it across the line before I would potentially, um, I suppose, get it out there. Um, I, I kept it quite private, and flying I just under the radar. It. Yeah, and I just, I really wanted to to try and make it work, and I knew that if it was something that was going around being chatted about then maybe that wasn't going to be a possibility so yeah I just I I kept quiet and I worked hard on on trying to to get it across the line yeah.
0: So tell me about the actual preparation so because Mm -hmm. it's not as simple as you reach down grab your baby so there is quite a bit of prep work involved for for you in particular so what take us through what that looked like.
1: So when I it to Mary Um, we said okay what is it that we need to do to try and get this across the line Um, my first thing was that I contacted Natalie Um, and straight away she was just so supportive so on board um, and really giving with her time she and I were emailing back and forth Um, she sent me the policy that she uses that can be changed and adapted to whatever hospital is using it uh, to suit their needs, um, and then she was giving me the statistics and um, the the alternatives to, I suppose your your normal caesarean, like where would, um, you know the clips go that go in the fingers? They can go in the ears instead. Sorry, I don't know the uh, <laughs> the uh, proper the, terminology. The pulse oximetry and yes, yeah, yeah, um, and let's see the monitors that are up here for your skin to skin they can go up near your shoulders instead you know she was she was just telling me all of the the things that i could let my hospital know let mary know and therefore the hospital know for reasons why it is safe and could go ahead um i guess the biggest question about it from hospitals and in particular anaesthetists are uh, the question of sterility and um It just, it hasn't been an issue. There isn't, we can't, obviously, there hasn't been enough uh, studies done. We can't um, say that it is 100% safer or safe, as safe as a general um, cesarean. But um, from Natalie's experience, it has always been really safe and she's never had any issues. and, um, And so then I started to learn how to surgically scrub in. Um, which I would practice at home every evening, Um, and after, um, just to take a couple of steps back, after I was denied at my own local hospital um, the opportunity to have the uh, maternal assisted cesarean there, um, I then worked with Mary to go to Limerick Maternity Hospital. and, and what so, were the reasons
0: what were or were the reasons explained to you why they why Kerry would not be supportive of this way of um, doing this
1: cesarean I, I I guess um change is difficult um, and people when something is new can be fearful and sure. they it's work to put to change to put in a new policy to, to change the way you do things I suppose financially it's probably more money as well um, and I they when when people don't understand something fully they, they often can shut it down quite quickly um, and in in every case it seemed to be that it was an issue with the anesthetist uh, and I guess that's comes back to the fact that they control the room and their responsibility is to keep the patient safe, which I completely understand. But I think the biggest thing here was that we were giving them all of the information to show that this has been successful time and time and time again. If the right measures are taken and here is the policy, here are the steps that are taken by Natalie's surgical team and herself. Um, If all of these steps are taken, you can have a successful and safe maternal assisted cesarean Um, but it just was never to to be, it was we we did get very close, we did we in fact got um, from around 9pm the night before it was still going ahead in Limerick Maternity Hospital until we got word that the anaesthetist there wanted to shut it down
0: So this is the evening before you were all excited nervous mm-hmm. ready to go you've been practicing your surgical scrubbing in yeah and what happened so you get a you get a call to say
1: it's yeah, not so happening I a, or i got a call from mary um, and she said look they have said it's it's just not, not they're not going to facilitate it um it's too risky i know that the The team there had done a dry run um, that morning and they were all on board and excited because I'm sure you know from speaking with Natalie, it's not only a beautiful experience for the mother and and the the family that are in there, uh, but also for the team, because you get used to um, seeing a general sort of cesarean where it can feel quite cold, quite clinical um, and this is just such a beautiful way um, of having a cesarean and it's very emotional and yeah and um, I think people were really on board and really excited for it and it's a human it's a way of humanizing
0: the whole experience so that it's not just absolutely. about a surgery and it's not just about the the method to get baby into your arms it is a a humanized approach and a compassionate approach I think and for again as you said for everybody in that room to Mm -hmm. see you know in this hospital our patients the mothers we're working with are treated with dignity and respect and compassion and yeah I think I think yeah of course you missed out hugely But yeah, I've seen those videos as well, and the staff are just so on board and so appreciative that they get to witness this experience, which for, as you said as well, have, for a lot of women, can be incredibly healing.
1: Yeah, um, definitely. I feel, uh, you know, you can feel, I suppose, in a cesarean section, like very, like passive. Um, You're just you know, obviously lying there, the baby is taken out and you you don't feel much involved uh, in much involvement in your own birth. And I, and I think for me, knowing for so long that I would always have to have cesareans, um, stru- it always struck with me um, how, you know, things could maybe be done differently, but I never was aware of it until I had seen various things. And then eventually Natalie's page and just is very family centred, very woman centred, and you feel more seen, you feel more heard, respected, um, or at least that's how I imagine you would feel because I, I didn't obviously get to achieve it. But um, it it was um, it was difficult trying to put everything in place and, and get this forward. Um, and it was un- really unfortunate that we got so close, but it was never meant to be.
0: So unfortunately, the dry run happened without any issues that morning, or did yeah, something I happened that? So. Okay, so
1: okay. Uh, so I wasn't I wasn't there for that. That was just for the team. I was doing my own prep at home, but I had gone to Limerick the day before. Um, I had opened up an account there. Um, I had got my COVID test. My blood's done. Um, and I'd met with some of the team um, spoke with uh, the head of midwifery and all was going good and um, yeah I, I, it just was very late that night that basically we just said you know it wasn't going to happen um, and then you know we still said okay we've planned this date let's go ahead with Limerick let's try and achieve a nice gentle birth regardless um, and then I was notified that I was not going to be accepted as a patient either. Um, in case we tried to achieve it, regardless. <laughs> so,
0: the, so this is this is still the night before, or this is the, <laughs> this is the night before you've been told you're not welcome. Not only are we not going to help facilitate this, you're not mm-hmm.
1: welcome here. Yeah, yeah, basically, yeah. Okay,
0: and there was no there was no opportunity to to even like, you know, get everyone on a, on a Zoom call to talk about, like, you know, what is the issue and is there a way to, that we can, you know, talk through the night and, and yeah. you know, find a, a solution that works for everybody, but no.
1: No, unfortunately, um, the head of Lisa that's there, I believe, was just not on board and felt that it was extremely risky and, again, a question over sterility um, and it was just shut down shut down so it was really really unfortunate because we had gotten so close and again it wasn't trying to to do something to upset anybody or to um push boundaries or sneak in some sort of uh um a procedure behind people's backs it's a question of choice um and if we can look at the facts and and look at the the other um, cases where where this has been done successfully and without any complication, then it should be something that is available to women uh, because it's going to happen regardless. Uh, you know, things are moving forward and at some point this is going to be available in Ireland. But I think it takes some forward-thinking um, people, both obese and ethos, the team themselves inside the room, the midwives, um, to... I suppose, respect that uh, this is a choice of, of a woman of how she wants to birth. And if everything is looking like it, it can be achieved in a safe way, then it shouldn't be something that's denied, in my opinion.
0: No, I wholeheartedly agree. I think if and I, I do, I can also see the side of somewhat the side of the staff, but I think. Mm-hmm. I think there needs to be maybe an opt-out. So if somebody feels really strongly against supporting this option, that they're not a part of it. And staff who want to be part of it are are allowed to be part of it. Um, mm. But it doesn't seem to be, that wasn't the case in
1: No, Denmark. no, it definitely wasn't the case because I think that um, even if people wanted to be part of it, uh, that you know from the top down it was kind of no this isn't going to happen and we don't want anyone to be part of it and I think maybe there could have possibly been repercussions if they were so Mm. um well that's of
0: course yeah if that if there's that fear that my job is on the line that yeah yeah, of course that's an easy way to control staff to make sure that they fall in line but ethical well that's a discussion for another day (laughs) yeah yeah for sure so, so tell me. Was, so, I, I, I imagine that evening was just, well, surreal for you. Like, can you even could you even wrap your head around it? And your partner, with the change, well, I, I think.
1: I think yeah, my husband Joey was a bit. Um, <laughs> he was really shocked, but um, I actually I couldn't help but laugh. I just thought, like, this is just a, a a really crazy situation. Um, and, you know, I always knew from the beginning there would be a risk involved with trying to get a MAC uh, achieved in Ireland. And I always knew even up until the day that there was a possibility it could be shut down. Um, but, you know, it wasn't obviously achieved by myself or my OB or that team. But the reason why I am talking to you today is because I would hope that having this discussion will open up the doors for other women who may want to have it. Because so many women have never been aware that um, it existed, even. Yeah. And I think the more women who can ask for it, uh, talk about it, the more the, the teams themselves, the OBs, the this. They will start to 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 be more familiar with people requesting it, and you know, hopefully, eventually that will lead to to us achieving a MAC for women.
0: Well, I think if if we, you know, say all the right things that you know it's women centred care and mother centred care, we keep mothers at this, at the centre of our care. When your experience is very different, too. so so there's a lot of talk out there about supporting women and and choice but mm. when it comes down to it you know one person can can really can challenge it and 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 really kibosh the whole thing um
1: yeah
0: yeah it's and i guess for me i think looking at your experience and the fact you I mean you got so far it's mm. i think you know although you didn't get to have that experience i think the fact that you are talking about it you have and you've you've gone through the the You know the kind of the the training part of it to get as close as you did and Mm. I know know women will be I'm sure after this uh will be contacting you (laughs) and to to ask you more (laughs) questions as well um but I think for there was always a possibility but I think for me the the shocking part and I guess maybe that's what your husband experienced as well is the adding insult to injury and just saying you know, we're, we're, the welcome mat is no longer out for you, Caroline. You need to no. go elsewhere, I think, to,
1: yeah.
0: it must have added incredible stress for both of you at, at, I mean, a time when you should have been, you know, getting an early night, looking forward to getting up in the morning. It's a kind of a like Christmas Eve feeling. You get to meet your baby and in a mm. way that is really, you know, mother-focused and gentle for, for everybody in that room. Um, yeah.
1: Yeah, like yeah, for, for me, I, I had really, I suppose, worked on my meditation and uh, my mindfulness and keeping calm. And like I said, I always knew that this was going to be a risk. Um, and when I got the news, it was around nine o'clock the night before, and we were due to leave for Limerick at 5 a.m., and I suppose, you know, you have things in place like my mom was coming to mind, my other son. You mentally prepare in your head for where you're going, what's going to happen. Of course. And then when that is taken away, you have to refocus and think, OK, what's going to happen? So, look, I was still able to birth my son Dylan the following day through cesarean in my local hospital. Uh, it was it was lovely and it was beautiful. Unfortunately, he was a neonatal baby again and uh, not as dramatic. He was four days in the NICU in Chile in County Kerry. But it does make me kind of wonder to if things were different. If, you know, I had been able to have the baby there, wait for white, you know, just just a bit more where the baby was kind of more relaxed, you know, um, I was more calm and relax myself maybe in through the whole process but look um these things happen and um maybe we'll get to go again sometime
0: <laughs> will you will you so where where will you have your next baby Carolina, oh, or is that, <laughs> let's let's well, talk only, again
1: it's only six months let's wait
0: <laughs> let's start putting one? out the putting out the feelers because it's interesting like it was um it was it's actually almost a year ago when i interviewed Dr. Natalie herself it was because I was at home I was back in Ireland for uh for for the Christmas and I was there I think it was early, late November early December so it is interesting that here we are nearly a year later kind of wondering you know the fact that you know these little Instagram interviews and things you know that mm-hmm. can you know plant the seed for somebody so I wonder this yeah. time next year Caroline <laughs> <laughs> will we be having another little chat <laughs>
1: Let's take our time for
0: now. No, no, I'm joking. I'm, I'm, um, I'm
1: still um, getting uh, sleepless nights. So. Yeah, and with two Definitely little least, ones. Yeah. A bit further down the line. I'll
0: hold you to that. Um, so <laughs> given what you've been through, your experience of trying to kind of, you know, all of these moving parts, what, what advice would you give to someone who is listening in, watching and has never heard of maternal assisted cesarean or MAC as it's known, Mm-hmm. And and it feels like it's the right thing for them. What what would you suggest next steps?
1: I think the first um, step would be to go onto Dr. Natalie Elphinstone's page, um, have a look at what it looks like. She does incredible birth stories. A lot of them are, are max. Uh, you see the benefit and the overall joy and the women centered, how the woman centered approach and family centered approach is, is just so healing and restorative for these families, um, especially women who have had previous birth trauma. I think if you can look at that and feel like, look, this is something that you would like to achieve. The next step is ask, ask your OB. Now, in my I suppose experience, I've been very lucky with Mary, that she has she's very progressive and she was always on board to try and achieve my crazy ideas that I would be putting forward to her. Um but not all OBs will agree to that. Um so you know, maybe try and find one when you you know start to, to go to see your OB initially this is something I'm interested in. Is this something that you would facilitate me with? Do you think the hospital could facilitate me in it? Um, there is an existing policy. You know, if somebody wanted that policy, reach out to Natalie. Um, I'm sure she'd be happy to provide that. Um, to, yeah, do some research about it. Just see if it's something that would be for you and your family. Um, I know it's not for everybody because people like yeah. squirm at the idea of putting their hands down into their abdomen and reaching down to pull out a baby. Um, but it sounds like it would be gory and horrible, but it's yeah. so, for me, it's so, so beautiful. And I, I think it, if we just keep asking and keep pushing, then it will become something that the maternity care system will hear more about and hopefully then facilitate women to do. Yeah, I think
0: it's really important for for anyone listening. If, uh, if this if this is important to you, and your hospital isn't interested, or your consultant isn't interested, or you're in public care and you can't find anyone that that is mm-hmm. that is even you know remotely interested, is to really shop around and to connect yeah. online with uh, one of the groups that I. Moderate uh, the V. It's VBAC in Ireland. It's called, but it's it's like we have a lot of uh, parents on the group as well who are who want who are not not sure VBAC is for them, and they want to understand. Well, okay, well, if if VBAC isn't for me for whatever reason, how can I have a a, a nice cesarean? How can it be more? You know how can i feel more involved and and this be a healing experience um, for the whole family so i would say keep shopping around and what you'll find is especially in in our group what uh there's women sharing their experiences and there's quite a lot of chat not necessarily within the group itself but talking about well who will facilitate what kind of cesarean in in which hospital so and the uh, the women's uh, grapevine <laughs> on that group is fantastic and it's a great resource for sharing information that you know would not be publicly available but it's women helping each other find these resources around the country because i mean i know women who have traveled up the north who who were attempting a vbac a, a vaginal birth after having two previous cesareans and have would not be facilitated in Ireland in the particular area they live and travel to the north to it's I mean what what are we doing here if we're sending women up the north or um, yeah just refusing to entertain this discussion really of maternal choice and safe maternal choice because for anyone who's listening in who might think oh that's very risky and right now the evidence that uh, that Natalie is is collecting is that it's as safe there mm-hmm. aren't all of these increased um uh, issues with infection and and you mm-hmm. would have had antibiotics during the cesarean anyway so mm-hmm. um so that argument itself yeah it's when when gentle cesarean was starting like you know many years ago and we kind of saw it starting in the UK they they saw similar arguments um mm-hmm doctor and andy sim i think his name was yeah andrew sim in the uk was uh, facilitating a really lovely cesarean but using uh, synthetic oxytocin so that the uterus was also contracting and so the so the baby was b- being like gently kind of pushed through the incision but okay. m- mom could see everything that was happening and it was very slow and i remember seeing that video and thing and a feeling a bit oh it's taken a long time like are they not worried and but it was just everybody stood back and let this unfold and it was such a lovely experience and I know for so many women who've been able to get involved in their own care it's psychologically it's very empowering and especially if you had a difficult first experience or birth trauma that to be able to go into this next experience feeling supported feeling heard I think feeling heard is so important that somebody will sit down with you and say okay we've we, we we recognize what happened to you the first time and that stress and so yeah. we're going to do our best not to add to that stress this time around we're going to uh, you know as we say in general it's about stacking the odds in in your favor of this being safe and yeah because it's not about taking unnecessary risks and I I just before we we started recording here we just mentioned about what's happening in ireland at the moment with maternity services alone and and home birth being kind of being challenged at the moment and it's we just have to keep the discussion going and looking at what's happening internationally and see how far behind ireland is dropping and for for many years um I remember, you know, on, on RT News, uh, you know, you'd have this soundbite whenever there was anything about maternal uh, maternity service. And it was, you know, Ireland remains one of the safest places on the planet to give birth. I don't think we can say that anymore when we look mm-hmm. at the rates of induction and we're interfering now at, at rates of that are not not normal. And no. we're, we're we're almost. I think I I I'm just going to give a, a quick plug for my my updated book, the the Irish uh, VBAC and Cesarean guide. When I updated it and just kind of re relaunched it there this week, I had input from so many women saying, you know, nobody's listening to us. Yeah we want to do this safely, but we want to be involved as well and and not, you know, belittled and told that, you know, this is, you know, don't, don't, you know, the little women getting themselves into, you know, trying to become surgeons or whatever. And it's like, we just want to be heard. We we just, we want to participate in a way that's safe for our babies and safe for us. So will you just give us a time of day and sit down and have a conversation with us about how we can make things better? And really that's the end goal can we make things safer and improve not just the you know physical you know birth outcomes but can we actually pay attention to women's mental health and maternal mental health
1: i think it does a lot of it comes back to that i mean if we are really interested in maternal care and things being women centered or family centered then we have to listen to the women in our maternity care, under our care. I mean, the psychological effect of your birth is just, can be just as uh, dangerous if it's a bad experience as the physical. And women seem to have less control over their bodies now than they ever have, and less say in how they birth their babies. Because, like you said, we're now um we have been discussing, like you said beforehand um about this thirty minute rule away from hospital, and I think it all comes down to choice we're taking choice away from women um more and more um in our maternity care system, and we need it's it's very clear that you know peop women are not happy about this you know they're they're out in the streets they're protesting and that needs to be listened to we can't ignore that uh, you know it's really important to try and bring this back to to the moms and the, the women who are who are carrying and birthing these babies and listen to what they need to have a restorative birth or to have a calm experience um their experience you know um it's really important that we listen to them and i just i, I think we're being ignored a lot um, I understand with certain things there's a level of risk, but women who are birthing these babies aren't uh, doing things, you know, ad lib. They're 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 doing the research. Um, they know the statistics. They know the facts. They know the risks, and it is their right to choose whether they want to birth at home or birth in hospital, or if they have. A cesarean to ask if they can and try and be facilitated to, to have a different sort of cesarean. I think it's really important to take it back to the basics of just listening to the women, because alongside that, we've one of, I think we have the lowest breastfeeding rate in Europe, one of the worst in the world. And like, is that coming back to like, you know, we're not putting priority over our skin to skin afterwards, you know, listening to the women, giving them that support that they need. Your body goes through this intense change, not only through pregnancy, but then afterwards, whether you birth vaginally or through cesarean, you're recovering and women just aren't getting enough support, I feel. And yeah, we, we, I th- my, my point is we just need to start listening to the people who are actually going through these experiences rather than people who are sitting behind a desk.
0: Yeah definitely and I think for because you know these days our families tend to be smaller we're not having you know 10 kids anymore most most of us aren't having 10 (laughs) kids anymore but I think most women in Ireland have are having limited engagement with maternity services because they might only engage with maternity services you know maybe twice in their life or three times in their life so I don't I don't think they see how bad things have really gotten and how much choice is being removed. Mm. Um, But when you, because you walk in the door, you have your antenatal appointment and your scan and you're out the door. And it's only, unfortunately, on on D-Day, really, for a lot of women that they realize, wow, my... My birth preferences aren't being facilitated or I'm getting pushback or they're asking me, you know, can I, you know, I need to break your waters because that's how we do it in this hospital or now we're going to put you on the drip because you're not laboring fast enough and there is so little information being provided to women about the pros and cons and so they can make an informed decision. It's almost like we don't want women making informed decisions because that's been my experience with over the years with many many women who have had to fight for in labor which i mean you had the fight the night before um mm. yeah but the, the to have to argue in labor and not have it, and have your your voice just really dismissed is so harmful to women yeah. and it's so disempowering when we don't listen
1: to women yeah, I- it's, I mean, it's probably what the most vulnerable you'll ever be. I mean, you're birthing a baby, like obviously it's it's extremely empowering to a degree if it's going in a way that you would hope it, it would go. Um, But it's also you're very vulnerable and that's why we often say have somebody there that can advocate for you, have your birth plan written down, make sure that the team there have a list. Your OB has a list of all of the things that you require. Do your own preparation. Um, and just push 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 and I don't mean to sound like that I want to stir anything up but it's 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 your right you know like you it's your body it's your baby you're birthing them I think it's really important to advocate for yourself and have somebody to advocate for you on the day if you are in a different place for whatever reason but it's it's just very sad that we can't respect women's wishes and there is a lot of changes that need to happen definitely i would agree 1 million percent yeah
0: so let's hope caroline when we're next talking <laughs> <laughs> in the not so near future that yeah we will we will be seeing changes happening and and women being respected during labor and yeah and let's i guess keep the conversation going um yeah, I'll I'll include some some contact details in the the end of the recording, just and and in the the notes for anyone who wants to reach out to you directly, yeah. with uh, with other questions and some other resources. Access to uh, Natalie's uh, Instagram feed. Mm-hmm. Anything you want to say before we wrap up?
1: I think there's like um, a few women out there who are on Instagram in Ireland who are really pushing for women's rights um there is oh i might get these wrong and i'm apo- I apologize in advance there's a lady mamadula i believe yes shelly
0: Shelley. she's a gentle birth instructor as well yeah
1: is amazing. she okay well yes amazing and pam Pilates. yes Yep. okay um so you know i think again it's all about educating yourself and what is available to you, often we just take it for granted that things are a certain way, but they don't have to be. You know, if you want something to achieve something through your birth and you want it to feel and be a certain way, obviously things change. Obviously, medical emergencies happen. And, um, you know, not everything is in our control, but it's good to try and achieve what's right for you. And um it feels that the only way change is going to come about is if we keep pushing. It's definitely not going to come from the care system itself, from the people who are, you know, writing it or um they're not going to facilitate unless women keep pushing, which is sad. Yeah, I guess what I would say is just is keep pushing for what you want, because I think women deserve it for sure. And and you deserve to have some say and some choice over how you birth. I hope that by sharing this, that it might get the discussion of not only our maternal care system, but the MAC as well, that it will get the conversation going more and maybe there it will we can engage with some obstetricians and physiotherapists that feel that they would be on board for something like this and could facilitate women's wishes i think it's it's it would be an exciting thing for for any hospital to be a part of it it's it's just a really beautiful um procedure <laughs>
0: yeah i think whoever that which whatever a hospital becomes the first they're probably gonna <laughs> have quite a lot of yeah, requests no <laughs> once the word gets out because yeah it's uh yeah once word gets out that yeah a particular hospital is actually being very respectful of mm-hmm. and, and offering women-centered mother-centered family-centered care there'll, uh, there'll be yeah. probably quite a line out the door <laughs>
1: Well, women will travel for the care that they want. So exactly. um, it's unfortunate it's not available everywhere. But for w- who, whatever hospital would facilitate that, I think women would definitely travel for that because it is important how they birth their babies and how they feel themselves in that experience and how the baby is as well, because it all interlinks, you know, if the mom is calm, if it's, you know yourself, it all interlinks, you know, it's good for the baby, it's good for the mom, you yeah. know, it's it's overall really uh, good experience if you can get what you, you you need and it's nice and gentle and
0: caroline thank you so much for Thanks. joining me today and for yeah sharing your that roller coaster of <sighs> two very different pregnancies <laughs> no no it's i'm and, and i'm sure our listeners will probably have more questions after this and and i anticipate probably lots of discussions happening in antenatal clinics over the coming weeks which would be again great to just keep this conversation going I know somebody out there listening is 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 gonna do it yeah just a question of when and let's just let's just make it 2023 that that's when it happened and
1: fingers crossed I really I really would love to see it go ahead for women yeah if anybody has any questions I just feel free to to get in contact I'd be happy to answer them
0: Thank you so much, Caroline, and please thank your partner as well, and uh, for
1: for taking the kids. <laughs>
0: that's very important, though, when we're t- when we're trying to do the you know these these important podcasts. You know, absolutely. Um, but yeah, and yeah, I look forward to connecting with you again soon. And uh, I'm sure our listeners appreciate you spending the time with us today and and sharing your your trials and tribulations, really, of trying to have a maternal assisted caesarean in Ireland today yeah
1: no problem and thank you for your platform to share it on
0: I'm del- I'm delighted. It was just I had such a great conversation with Dr. Natalie, and she's been so mm-hmm. helpful. She actually su- supplied some of her uh, protocols from in my book as well. So at least it's, you know people can access it easily, and and so can staff if they're interested yeah. in learning more. Which I think staff, I have so many. You know, my midwifery colleagues are are really behind this and want to see it happen. And but unfortunately, like many others within their services they're kind of caught between a rock and a hard place and trying to make change quietly yeah
1: yeah and often it, it comes from the top down like we we're saying so unfortunately you know uh you could find your job is at risk or um yeah. if if somebody above you says no this is you know you could be penalized or you know for for facilitating facilitating something like that so yeah look i hope that like i said that you know the obstetricians and the anesthetists that they get on board because really they will be the ones that can make that change
0: great thank you caroline
1: thank you too tracy